Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to let you know if, um, okay, should I, should my signal drop out while I'm driving? I will dial back in immediately. Yeah, all good. Um, listen, okay. yeah, Sean, yo, great to meet you. Uh, we're called Red River Podcast. Um, really, this came about one day. Uh, Brian and I love 2B TV, and uh, there is not many documentary sections better when you want uh you know anything from music to pure violence to just the most random shit uh and one night i'm watching this thing that i never heard of that came out in like 2021 called underground inc the rise and fall of alternative music and within like the first like two minutes i get Jawbox, drive like ju and like an afghan wigs like ref uh, reference and i'm just like Yo, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I sit up because I'm like watching it late at night. And uh, I was just so fucking hooked. So thank you and welcome for doing. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Uh, I am very happy to be here. So I can't wait to uh, talk some music. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Yeah, th this documentary is pretty crazy. Uh, I know Brian has a lot to say, too, because he's I'm in a band still. But Brian was in a band called Sky Came Falling. And, you know, they had a lot of dealings with with the, you know, labels. So Victory Records, right? Was it uh, Fer Ferret Records? But we did get offered uh, Victory. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're exactly where you're in, like, Australia, right? Yeah, I, I live in Sydney, Australia. All right. So uh, what time is it over there right now? It is uh, 930 on a Sunday morning. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, it looks bright <laughs> as fuck over there. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of the angle that the car is at. But yeah, it is It is pretty, uh, well, it's cloudy, but it, yeah, I can see why you're saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously on your way to church, so obviously we won't be too long. But uh, so, all right. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> in, in between me me listening to my carcass records, I can uh, <laughs> nice in for nice. the uh, Sunday morning ceremony. So I, I know that I know, Brian, you like the new Carcass record or did you? I, I, I like pretty much that band's uh, entire catalog. I mean, funny story. With, They're pretty funny, solid. Yeah. Funny story with Carcass. So uh, Heartwork comes out. That's the first one that kind of hooked me. And I see the video for the song Heartwork on Headbangers Ball. I'm about 16 years old. And I'm like, man, what is this? I've never heard anything that sounds like this. So. 
uh, living in New York, you know, the closest that they were coming to was this venue called Lemoore's, which is in Brooklyn. And uh, luckily, I think the show, maybe the show was 18 or older. I really don't know. We were 16 at the time. And we pretty much all lied to our parents, told our parents that we were sleeping over each other's houses and uh, jumped on, you know, the subway, took the train and went to this really sketchy club called Lemoore's that somehow we snuck into. And we had to sit through about like 10 opening bands. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, and, then, and then Carcass came on at about 2 a.m. And wow. my fucking, yeah. And my jaw fucking dropped when I left. And I was like, man, that fucking band is incredible. And I think we got. <laughs> I think we got back home at around 6, 7 a.m. And my friend's house who we were staying at was just like, oh, just lay some blankets and some pillows on the floor. Just make it look like we're just waking up for breakfast or some shit, you know? Uh, that is, oh, man. That's great. I mean, I and I believe you when you say 10 opening bands because yeah. that's the way it was. That's what it was back then, like 94, I think that that was, or 95. I, mean, I, I can't I can't tell you how jealous I am that in Sydney there are not a lot of clubs uh, uh, especially now there's a place called Frankie's which some bands that are really good will show up and play like free gigs at um, but there's really no clubs there so when I hear about all, the, all these stories about Lemoore's and uh, or, you know New York places um, uh, Detroit places LA Pick a city. I hear about all these clubs that used to be around back in the day. I'm incredibly jealous. You've never been out here? Uh, well, obviously, when I shot um, the the film, I was in the States for a good few months, uh, traveling from city to city. Uh, but I've been to the States uh, about three or four different times. And then when I shot Underground Inc., that was like the time where I was there for a few months at once. Did you catch any shows while you were out here? No, 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 I didn't. I don't. I'm a, I'm a, yeah, no, actually, I did because uh, one of the bands that I was filming, uh, I had to um, talk to them afterwards. But that was like a whole tour bus situation. It was like a big, like, it was a massive, like, summer festival thing. So it was not like a, a nasty, gritty yeah. uh, underground club show that I longed for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, with this this documentary, like it really hit me. It really hit me like more than a lot of other ones. And it's so funny that it's just like such a such a random find. Like, how did like how did you even begin to want to do this? Uh, I worked in a record store, and I was exposed to a lot of bands that during that time only ever released one album. And my boss was like listen to these guys listen to these guys and i was like where is this second album it's like no second album and i i mean to a degree i knew that you know sometimes bands it's just the way they go but it just seemed like during that time it just it, it seemed too strange so i started doing some research and i found out about you know um that last big major label feeding frenzy that happened and that's when i kind of dived in and found out more and I took it from then. It was just something I had to get made. Yeah. And uh, I know that like, you know, I was trying to like find some information on you. you you've only done, so you did like two shorts before this. Right. And then, uh -huh. yeah. and, then and then, uh, which sounded kind of interesting. Like the first one was, um, 
about the girl in the apartment, right? What was that like? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I've I've done a few other little things, but I, I think when it comes to like short films, some of them see the light of day more than others. So I'd I'd made like three or four things, uh, but yeah, I'd I'd made a, a little music video here and there, and um, I did make this little self-contained thing where this girl's in this apartment and she's going through a rough time and she's kind of like losing her mind while she's like invited this guy over to a place where she's kind of like freaking him out but um and then the other thing was more of like a like a film noir type thing like a, where it's the, about the hitman? hitman yeah 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 Damn. so um that was what i'd done and that's kind of what i used to when i was finding all the people to come on board i was sending them links to all these other things that i'd done and when i arrived at dave windolf's house um he was talking to his buddy tim who were founding he was a founding member of monster magnet as well and he was like he's not just some asshole as well he's also made other stuff you know he was talking (laughs) about all the links of short films that i'd sent so um it did help so yeah that's i'd done that and now this is like my first really long form thing that i've done for sure and before like we go back to the documentary like i just had a curiosity like so when it comes to influences like from where you're from to like over here in the states like where do you find the influence like you know to 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 want to do shorts like what were some of the things that just influenced you whether it be local or out here Uh, there's a real culture of people wanting to make nothing but short films over here it's like people would obviously it requires more money to make feature films but it's like um it's there's such a strong subculture of short films over here so it just for anyone who was interested in wanting to make films it was sort of the go-to thing to do okay yeah yeah and uh but like out here like uh like what are some some people stateside that have reached over to where you are just out of curiosity i want to know like what what that influence is like over there like 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 let's say tarantino like is he like a big deal over there or not he is he is yeah i think he's a big deal everywhere yeah uh but uh, i mean australia is quite uh americanized uh it's it sort of um i think maybe 30 years ago or whenever there would have been more of that like pop culture that I think a lot of Americans really hope Australia has. Uh, but I think in the last 30 years, like the last three or four generations have sort of adopted more of an American culture. And most of the things that are popular over on your end are popular over here. Interesting. All right. That's cool. Um, so a band that yeah, you cover is, on... Yeah. A band that you cover on this documentary a lot is one of my f- uh, favorite uh, albums, as well as as Brian uh, Handsome, right, Parker? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, gr- I mean, you talked, to, you spoke about uh, you know bands that only made one album. Like I, I would have loved to have heard a follow up off of that Handsome album. I mean, that, I mean that's another band that I was actually. I think I spoke about a couple episodes ago. Yep. I was actually lucky enough to see live they played at oh, a wow. local yeah they played at a local college and i think it was like a two i think it was like a two dollar show or something insane like that and as soon as i saw you know x members of you know helmet quicksand chromags i was I like i'm in frozen. i'm in sorry are you guys there this is yeah, no, yeah. Frozen. yeah no we hear you Start back in. yeah there you go i'm gonna give it like oh okay um are you there yeah yeah 
okay, I'm sorry. I you were talking about the college show, and you said it was a two, and then yeah, it I think it, I think I think it was a two dollar show to see Handsome at a oh. local college, and then wow. once I saw that it was you know ex members of you know Helmet, Quicksand, and yeah. Promags, I'm like, this is like my first ever all star band, and I watched them, and I was blown away. And the album, the album still gets pretty a pretty good rotation on my playlist still. Yeah, that that was such a life changing album for me. I remember the first few times I actually listened to that CD and I just kind of heard this wall of noise and uh, it was actually Jeremy's lyrics that really helped me get past that initial just impenetrable wall of distortion. And then it just became my, one of my favorite rock albums like ever, ever, ever. So uh, that's, uh, that's amazing that you got to see them. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I mean, two other bands that, you know, that, you know, I know that Sam is, you know, familiar with is failure and Texas is the reason. I mean, talk about I mean, a lot of these documentaries you watch and they kind of, you know, pick, you know, so so bands, but, you know, handsome failure. Yeah. Right. Like Texas, Texas is the reason and orange nine millimeter. I mean, you really picked like grade A bands for this thing. Um. Yeah. Like I, I, I couldn't have been happier. Like I when I thought about all the people that um, I had in the film, like you had Pepper Keenan. You had yeah. Jay Robbins, you had Walter Schreifels. I thought to myself, I might as well have like, you know, Tom Hanks and Brad Pitt in my movie for all I care. Like I, it, it was just like, the, it was the absolute top shelf of uh, musicians for the type of music I love. So I was, I, I couldn't have been happier. I, I got to make exactly the, the, the dream film that I set out to make. And and so rise and fall, obviously, mm-hmm. I know you I know you cover it because like in, in the very be- beginning, like Brian Lee's gang is like talking about like the early 90s being comparable to like the 60s and how, you know, in the very beginning, you see these groups like Soundgarden and Nine Inch Nails. And he's like, you know, like the mainstream is wondering, like, I think he put it. He was like, uh, why are these bands bigger than like Tom Petty and Guns N' Roses right now? So it's such a really interesting time because that's where I grew up. I, I don't know how old you are, but like to me, like I was like, you know, 12 and then in 1990, you know, so like that, that was like all these bands are such a big part of, of my life, Lollapalooza and all this other stuff. So um, why this decade in particular? Did it was it just something you grew up with as well? Uh, I'm a little bit younger than a lot of people that would have come of age during this time. Like I found out about all this music in a secondhand way through the record store. But um, I I do feel that this period was like the last gasp of sort of individuality and of like, you know, like, like, um, like, you know, I don't know how to say it. Yeah, it just felt like the last real gasp of individuality before everything just suddenly felt corporatized after a certain point. So I think that that's what made this period feel special to me. Mm. Um, and, and just growing up too, like wh- what were some of your favorite music documentaries that maybe like inspired you to make this? I've got to say um, when I set out to make this, I literally wanted to pick up right where American hardcore left off. Like mm. I, I was, I was so obsessed with American hardcore. And um, I mean, I think that 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 documentary kind of ends in around mid 80s. So I kind of wanted mine to pick up like right there because American hardcore ends where they're kind of talking about how, you know, uh, 
it's over, goodbye, and then like um, the guy from the Circle Jerks like flushes the toilet and the film is done. Um, and it was just like, okay, but here's what happened next. So and like just start off with the blast. So um, that was the real main influence on me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's it. You, you nailed it, too, actually, because I remember that documentary. And then where, where you pick up here, it's, it's just it's such an extension when you get to these bands because it's it, the variety. And I will look at it like Lollapalooza 91 or 92, just like the variety and that stuff. And then the sounds like you hear like a record like Pretty Hate Machine or like, yeah, a lot of the stuff that Nine Inch Nails are like ministry we're doing. And speaking of ministry, you have on Roy Mayorga. You know, he was up in that documentary a lot. And we just uh, the last episode, we spoke to the director of the new Foo Fighters movie, uh, Studio oh, 66, nice. Studio 666. And Roy did the music for it, man. And he was yeah. fucking so great in this. How'd you link up with him? Um, That was one of those things that I got very lucky with. Um, I did contact him through um, it was either through his website or through facebook i didn't go through like a manager or anything like that but um he, he was just such a gentleman and he didn't have any sort of pretense about him like oh i'm in a big band and who are you uh it was just he was interested in what i wanted to do and actually i think the thing that maybe made me stick out for roy rather than just contacting him because like you're a, you're a big name was uh he was actually a sound engineer for a lot of the bands during that time. So I wasn't approaching him like, I want to talk to you because you're famous. It was me like going, I want to talk to you because I know that you did sound for Back of House for like Melvin's shows and yep. Handsome. He was actually one of Handsome's guitar techs or something. Mm. He went on tour with them. Uh, he did like... Um, uh the sound for a whole string of their shows and i know that he played drums with like downset and he was very involved in the fabric of that scene so i think he was quite kind of taken aback he actually even said to me how did you know about me or how did you know that i was involved in all that so it's it's funny how how things work because he was doing that for so long before his career kind of blasted off yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, a OG New York hardcore guy, Oh yeah, uh, you know, so he's been involved in so much stuff and I've met him and he's super fucking awesome. Uh, and the great. fact the fact that he's he did the score, it's like him and John Carpenter did the score to this movie. And you're like, yo, man, <laughs> good for fucking you. So uh, so during the release of this, like when you the undertaking of something like this, um how do you how do you go about just like putting it out into the world like how does it end up on Tubi or like what was like you know once you're done with this like how do you get it out to the people um this was um this took a really long time to do it took uh maybe like six years or a little bit more to complete from the time I actually started raising finances to the time that I actually um got it into like film festivals and then by the time that happened um it's it sort of the wheels started turning with you know sales rep coming on and then them finding a distributor and then the distributor getting it onto apple tv and voodoo and then a year after it got released uh, it got onto some cable channels a year into the process it then landed up on all the like the avod platforms and avod is short for you know 
advertising-based video on demand. Yep. So uh, I think that's just like the next step in the distribution cycle for streaming platforms. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad I caught it. It's just like I said, when it comes to uh, music documentaries, uh, there's so many of them, and this is just I I mean, like oh, seriously, like to mention Drive like Ju, like who talks about these ba- like like when I first heard Drive like Ju. I felt like the guy from Red Fang, like it was just like, whoa, it's like this doesn't even make sense to me because yeah. that, that was even like so like self-titled was probably like 91 and I'm listening to Nirvana. Um, I don't even think I gave a shit about Fugazi at that point, which would have been like, you know, their their relative. Um, but like you hear something like drive like Jay, you're just like, this is it doesn't even make sense what's going on, you know, so it's like it, to, to hear uh musicians go back and 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 pick out some of these bands it's just like this documentary is really really cool and i hope a lot of people uh catch on to it because it's been out for well like a year right oh yeah uh i mean that is such a rewarding thing to hear someone say um uh and thank you so much Uh, it, it was very much um it wasn't me picking out uh, a standard list. Obviously, it was very much like a museum of my soul. You know, it was like, well, this is basically me, me taking my record collection and uh, adapting it into a music documentary. It was pretty much all the stuff I loved. So I was being very subjective. So um, I did see some reviews that came out saying, oh, if I were making this, I would have picked this band and I would have picked that band. And I thought to myself, you know, that's cool. But the thing is, it wasn't you making it. It was me making it. it. And these were the bands I wanted to talk about. So I I made exactly what I set out to do. So um, it it was, yeah, it was was thrilling. And I I love all of these bands. In fact, I had a dream about Sunny Day Real Estate last night. If you want to to talk about how absolutely mental about music I actually am. Yes. And I love that you pick... (laughs) So that record, so when Diary came out, like we just did our favorite, um, what do we do, Brian? Like it was like debut albums of the 90s? Yes, yep. So Diary was in my top five of like, because like when I heard Seven, I was like, yo, it just like, for someone who played in a band, so in 93, I was probably, you know, probably strumming around to what like, uh, you know, uh, smells like Teen Spirit or some shit, you know? And then you hear like something like Seven off of Diary. It's mind blowing. You're like, this doesn't even make sense what they're doing. And I love the the clip that you pull from uh, Pillars because it's it's such an important band. And uh, to, to see them covered on this is great. So obviously it makes sense that you would have a, a dream. Did, did you like them, Brian? <laughs> Uh, I wasn't a big fan on them, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, I remember like when I first heard uh, Failure Fantastic Planet. Yeah. And, and it's funny because like for some weird reason, that album crossed over and got into a lot of hands of hardcore kids. And I like I said, I remember seeing the cover and I'm like, what the fuck is this like spaceman thing? Like, what is this? And then I heard it. And then kind of like what you were saying with like drive like Jehu, I was like, what is this? Like, I didn't know what space, you know, space rock was back then. You know, they kind of started that whole sound and that a lot of bands took it from there. But uh, I totally get what you're saying, you know, and, and that's the that's the beauty of music. I mean, if you if you, you know, expand your horizons, like there's a lot of fucking good shit out there. If I can make one recommendation to you, Brian. 
if you are willing to give Sunny Day one more chance, <laughs> to an album by them called Rising Tide. That I'm is right. my favorite I'm, album I'm, by theirs. It is. Uh, it just. Uh, it just a hands down masterpiece. I'm so gonna write. I'm gonna. Tide, I'm gonna write it down right it now try. because it it has been a lot of years since I have listened to them. So maybe maybe my and my pa- palate has changed. You know. It is so different to Diary. Okay. Oh yeah, it's 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 it's, it's their last their last album, I believe. Yeah, yeah it's uh, so unbelievable. What what yeah, did I, you what did you it, think of the of the Pink album, Sean? Did you like that? Uh, I didn't really get into the Pink album. That's probably the only one I don't have by them. I so, and yet I have Fire Theft. Okay, but so when after Diary, the Pink album came out, and I fucking hated it. I really hated it. You know. So then when when um. The third record came out, uh, uh, How It Feels to Be uh, Something. That record brought me back, and I never went to Rising Tide. So I'm only a uh, fan. I'm only the fan of the first and third record. So I'm going to have to check out Rising Tide as well because a <laughs> lot of people mention that being great. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny. I think a lot of people miss the boat on Rising Tide. It, it's funny, actually. You know, you were talking about. This, these like, kind of school of bands and people that find out about them. The thing that kind of surprised me was when, um, when the Facebook group, when the Facebook page for Underground Inc. started to collect people, uh, it made me realize that there are so many people out there who, uh, you know, are into these bands, but they are into all these same bands. And it's almost like if you find out about this band, you find out about, like if you know about Orange 9mm, you'll eventually find out about Afghan Wigs and you'll eventually find out about um, uh, Blue. Or, you know, like it, it was the weirdest thing to me that uh, there is a little um, uh, niche out there for these bands and the people who love them, they like all of these bands. So it was, it was a very eye-opening thing for me to find out by doing this as well yeah you you find that out because i didn't know about failure till later on i was playing in a band with my friend rich and i love the mm-hmm. band i love the band hum and my mm-hmm. friend is like you like hum but you don't know who failure is i was like no <laughs> i'm like i never i never listened to them uh and then he would talk about far and yep. he's like oh you got to yep. check out water and solutions you know so it was just like everything led into something and then like you yeah. get like uh uh, a perfect circle then covering failure, you know, yep. the nurse, yeah, the nurse yeah, yeah. who loved me and, and all these things, like, it's just, it, it's great, but yeah, it's, you, you get to one and then eventually you, you'll get to the other ones. Um, I, I, one dude you had on, which I love Alex Newport. Fudge Tunnel. Yeah, he, he did the uh, music for the film as well. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's great. He, he's one of the uh, people that I've really kept in touch with since I, made the film and um yeah he's alex is one one album nail bomb yeah there you go (laughs) another super group another super group right there half a sub torah yeah that's not nail bomb is not something that alex will want to talk to you about he (laughs) he actually said to me he goes you know what pisses me off about nail bomb he goes i put he goes he goes i put so much heart and soul into fudge tunnel and and like they hardly got any attention. And I basically, all the shit that I did for Nail Bomb, I basically just like flicked out. I just basically like 
blah, and that's that's my contribution to that band. And they got like ten times bigger, and that really shits me. So that was um, I thought that, that was really funny. So uh, yeah, good old Alex. It it is because like if if you're a musician, like I completely get that. It's like the thing that you give everything to is like people yeah. like yeah whatever and then you do this one thing and it's like oh my god and you're like really yeah. like uh i remember alex me and alex talked a lot on myspace because he reached out to my band and i think we had like maybe i mentioned something about the band sam i am which should be another one of those bands that's, that's in there somewhere um and he knew i liked them and i think he worked with them but i just remember always talking to alex on on myspace and now i like I didn't really, this was before Google. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't really know Alex Newport except for like this nail bomb record. Uh, and now like later on, I mean, this dude's worked with like Frank Turner and fucking uh, Block Party. You know, he did a lot of cool stuff. So the fact that he stayed in touch and, and did some stuff for you is pretty cool. It is, it is. Actually, I did interview Sergey from Sam oh, I Am. But, that, um, we, just, we had him on a few, yeah, a few, yeah, few, few episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, not everyone who I, I interviewed a lot of people and not everyone could make the like out of the 90 hours of footage that I filmed only certain people could make the one and a half hours so yeah but I wow. speak to him he's a great guy that's interesting yeah he's very honest I love Sam I am yeah. I'm a huge yeah. Sam I am fan anyone that knows me knows that what are some other interesting ones that that didn't make it that you you felt kind of uh maybe should have made it or or it was it, it killed you to leave out so, <laughs> um, okay, so I, I'm going to admit something that I don't think I've ever discussed publicly. So, um, I, as I mentioned, I live in Sydney and I flew to the States and I traveled through 25 cities uh, interviewing all these people. And I found every single location, every, I navigated my way through, you know, a foreign country. I, I, made up, I, I met up with every artist I was supposed to interview. And then Mark Arm from Mud Honey is in Australia, and I set up a, a meeting with him to film an interview with him through Sub Pop. And um, we set up a time and location in my own city that I live in, and I go to the wrong place. I actually went, went to the wrong concert venue to interview him, and I was like, how do I do that? How do I? <laughs> my, my fiance is sitting next to me, she's laughing her ass off. Uh, I was like, how do I manage to screw up? Uh, a venue in the city that I've grown up in, yet I find every other place in in America. So uh, I was supposed to have Mark Armin, that didn't work out. I was supposed to have um, Tommy <laughs> Victor from Prong. Oh, uh, nice, but, nice. Uh, yeah, we, we weren't able to tee up a, a time because um, of my work commitments and stuff. Uh, and uh, there was. Um, uh, Vinny from Sponge was filmed. Wow. Sponge oh, yeah. really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a really underrated band that Yo. have had a couple of albums that just no one talks about that have been so phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, so he was in it as well. What a character. Um, uh, so yeah, there, there were a couple of people in there mm -hmm. who didn't quite make the finished thing. So I think Sponge was in your top five. What, Sponge was in my top five debuts from uh, from the 90s countdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so yeah. funny. Yeah, that's lucky. Funny. I was lucky enough to see them live as well. And they fucking kicked ass, too. Yeah, yeah I, I, I was. Yeah, sorry. I, lo I love Rotting Pinata. I was just going to say that. Too. Yeah, oh, Rotting Pinata is the best album. Yeah, front to back. Yeah, Sponge we just had an 
album through I think Beyond Records called um, uh, the one with the animated cover it was like the third album after I, I'm forgetting the name now, but I really love it. Um, I love the first three Sponge albums especially. And uh, so there, there was like a, a common, you know, there, there was like four bands like Cop Shoe Cop was was one of the bands that that, that that had the, you know, went through the whole movie. I actually never listened to one song of that band. I didn't really I was wasn't familiar with them at all. Uh, but then we got to like the end of the the movie and um, the song. What is that? Room 429 or something? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and like I'm like listening to this play, and I think Roy Mayorga was talking about that that's like his favorite song, and I it made me want to listen to the band. Never heard them before, the and and that song was in the ending, and I was just like, all right, this sounds pretty. It wasn't what I thought a band like Cop Shoot Cop was gonna sound like, and mm -hmm. uh, I heard that song. So, were you a, a big fan of theirs? Uh, I was. They were that weird kind of dark horse band that I was like, you know, who is this band? You know how you'll have that one band from that whole swath of 90s late 80s bands that kind of like make you go whoa you know what is this now and uh that was that band so i was especially intrigued by them uh and um i was also very lucky that um uh, jack Nats was also such a a colorful um individual to speak to he sure was yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> i actually remember i was filming so i was in his um little room filming him talk about the the arc of that band and how it all came apart and i was like i was filming it i was sort of crouched in the middle so i saw excuse me let me start that again i was sort of crouched in the bottom corner of his bedroom kind of with a handheld camera and as he starts talking about todd leaving and everything like that i'm thinking to myself holy shit this is the climax of the film that i'm recording right now so i was trying to i was trying to get in there closer without the camera kind of wobbling around too much which it would have done if i stood up so i was kind of like oh this is it don't don't screw this up this is the climax of the film right here and he was one of the first people that i spoke to so it's interesting how the how you kind of mentally editing as you go along yeah, for sure. I mean, because I, everything has to have that. I, even when you're making a, a documentary, I would imagine like you're thinking like, OK, what is what is the end goal of this documentary? What am I trying to say? And like you said, this is the climax of it and stuff, you know, um, and, and is that I guess because you titled it Rise and Fall. So what do you consider to be the fall? I guess, you know, I guess everyone what they talked about at the end kind of sort of look, I, I've got to be honest. I, I've seen a lot of people on social media who got rather pissy with the term rise and fall like it doesn't fall and still here well, yeah I, I get i get that it's still here but rise and fall is just a general trope that you talk about in a story arc it's like a it's kind of like a uh i mean yeah it is kind of a cliche but it's just uh you know you, you're talking about you know the salad days and then you're talking about when you know around some problems but uh, i don't consider it yeah, it was very popular and it's not so popular anymore. So you can say that that's a rise and fall. But it was really just to try to package the title somehow. So that's really why I use that. Oh, and that's true, because like, I mean, what you're talking about completely under underground ink is exactly what it is. You know, when you yeah. listen to this stuff, like you have bands like uh, I guess hype is kind of like the same thing. Like you, 
you, you have that, but it's all geographically one section. But I think this one went a little bit under like uh, other documentaries, like Brian mentioned, like failure bands like that. They, they, they were kind of like a side note. This you got you stayed on these bands, you know, like over and over again. It's you got more deep into these deep, like specific bands. But um, you, with, with the end of this, there was like the silver lining. Uh, where I, I believe I forgot who mentioned it, but um, God, I wrote it down somewhere over here. Was it Jay Robbins? Yes, uh, maybe it was was it? I basically it was like um, how you don't need major labels anymore, you know, and and right. after, after like all this time where these bands were signing to majors and and maybe it wasn't the smartest thing it's like okay now maybe it was albini i think it was steve albini yeah yeah where he said that and then uh i love you know who is fucking really funny uh the dude from fishbone walter kibbe he was oh he was great he was great he was great right so but it's same thing he's like at that point it's like do you believe in yourself enough to keep going you know yeah And, and and i think that really to me that that was like my climax for like the movie where I'm thinking like, wow, you, you made it to a point where it's like you're you have these DIY tools now where, where you could carry your band into like, you know, the next, you know, fucking level and stuff. So I I think that um, if if someone asked me, you know, what is the message in the film? I would say Jay Robbins probably summed it up near the end where he said, so no disrespect to anybody who thinks that they're going to make it. But I kind of feel that if you're making music and you're putting your soul into it, then you're already making it. So I, I feel that that's what I took from all these bands. And that's what I, I hope to be the, the part where I'm just like underlining in, you know, capitals like in the film. Yeah, I I also love when they mentioned Jay Robbins being the next John Lennon, right? How someone <laughs> has someone mentioned that, and, and so funny enough, I'm I'm gonna go see Jawbox a week from today. Actually, they're playing out in Baltimore, so I'm gonna drive there. Wow, excellent! But, yeah, I know I can't wait. But he, <laughs> I'll tell you this: as someone who plays guitar, fucking Jawbox is really fucking smart. You know, where yeah. where Fugazi is is just something that's next level um and they're really fun to listen to jawbox i feel like did that but with almost like i don't want to say a pop element but like jay robbins is a fucking smart songwriter playing these really complex songs and so yeah. when someone said the next john lennon like i knew is like a, a joking thing but like it, it it just made sense because like he is such a top echelon songwriter in my opinion yeah um i think the you know, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, but the guy who said that, and I remember meeting that A&R guy, and he was convinced that, you know, Jay Robbins was the next yeah. John Lennon. That guy who he's talking about, <laughs> uh, I interview, and it, it's Mike Gitter. Mike Gitter was uh, Joel Bucks' A&R guy. And <clears throat> something that um, Mike Gitter said about Kurt Cobain in – unused interview footage that I filmed of him was he said Kurt Cobain was John Lennon wearing a black flag t-shirt which I thought was uh, another interesting analogy yeah 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 for sure um I mean and and, and I get it for sure but like I just I, I love Jay Robbins 
getting so much uh, screen time on this. Yeah. We we all love Albini. Like he he drops some, some <laughs> you know. He just, I love did the. You, did you see the end scene with the um the nose the biting? nose at the end? Yeah, the yeah. nose biting scene. Yeah, that was fucking great. Like that story. Like was that, how long was that story? Because I'm sure it got edited down a little bit, or was it just like the full story? Um, it, yeah, it, I probably edited it down by like two thirds. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, for anyone that, that's ne- that hasn't seen the documentary yet, stay past the credits or during the credits because <laughs> they tell this <laughs> fucking amazing story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Albini is funny. The, one of the funniest things he said were, was in the eighties. He's like, you know, when people think of the eighties, they think of Madonna and Prince and all this other shit music. <laughs> and like, it was just. <laughs> It like rolled off his tongue so perfectly. Like there was no like he wasn't trying to say anything. It's just how he is. And so genuine in how he said it. And I was I just laughed. So but uh, yeah, and I I love the I'm sorry. I was going to say I love the thing where he also gives that tennis analogy. I was like, who whose brain works like that? You know, like when he's talking about people who would participate in the mainstream music industry other people who would buy that fucking box. You're I right. Just, that's yeah, I love that. that's another really good point. So that that piggybacked off what sparked the idea when he was talking about you don't you don't need major labels anymore. And then that was the end of his point where he's like, mm-hmm. now those labels are are, are are fucking feeding you, you know, to these people that would actually do that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, listen, great, great documentary. I don't know, Brian, do you have anything else? No, I, I hope that you have something in the works that you're going to pick another batch of great bands, Sean, because like I said, like Handsome Failure, Texas is the Reason, Orange Nine, some of my all-time favorite bands. I'm sure that you have a lot more in the works, so I hope that there's maybe not a part two for this, but I hope that you got something in the works and you're going to you know bring these bands forward that nobody really else has, so I, I applaud you for doing that. Thank you so much. It's been lovely speaking to both of you. Do you do you have anything in the works or or anything that you know? Th- uh, I I do, but it's it's probably not quite as music related. I have got a few things ticking away in my head. I'm actually in the midst of planning a wedding, so that is that's my current uh, committed project that I'm on. Because <laughs> um, man, that's kind of a full time job in of itself. Uh, but as soon as that's uh over with uh, my brain will get back onto um you know script writing and um you know reaching out to some people to make uh, my next thing happen so uh yeah i i definitely have some things in the works but i'm keeping under wraps <laughs> yeah no for sure yeah listen uh open door anytime you want to come hang out and talk with us um about anything so you know <laughs> awesome. thank you uh, all right all right uh, thank you so much, uh, Sam and Brian. Uh, it's been fantastic talking with you and have a great one. Sean, later. Take care, Sean. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.